Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Outside by Design. I am your host, Lisa Slagle, and I own Wheelie Creative, an outrageously fun outdoor agency, as well as Wheelhouse Workshops, where we teach action sports photography workshops to women to help get more women involved in action sports. Thanks so much for listening to Outside by Design. Uh, by the way, we are seeing an increase in you know, listeners and a lot more hype around the podcast. It's season three. We're putting a ton of time and effort into it and it shows. So thank you so much for your shares and your likes and your reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. I really appreciate it so much. Enough of that. Enough of that shameless promotion and plugs. Uh, Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Today, I'm talking to Ree Wickstrom. And if you don't know Ree Wickstrom, you need to know Ree Wickstrom because she is a living legend in the ski industry. She's a professional photographer who has helped elevate so many women in ski photography when no one was doing that. She's like the first woman to really get out there and mindfully go capture images of women and help women get into magazines. And, you know, before social media took over and everything was purely editorial, Ree was there pushing and working and um, taking photos and slinging photos to magazines. And Ree is a freaking legend. She's professional. She shows up with a force. Uh, I really admire Ree's creativity and problem solving and calmness and thoughtfulness. She's just all around an absolute badass and just excellent person. She uh, also is the senior photographer at backcountry.com. Um, when she's not shooting on her own for Ree Wickstrom. So she will rock your world, I promise. Um, This podcast is great. She talks about creativity, social media, changing, knowing your craft. Uh, This is an excellent one for anyone who works in editorial or any marketing manager or any photographer or aspiring photographer. I cannot even begin to encapsulate Ree. She's just fucking phenomenal. Give it a listen. Hey, Ree, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us where you are, what you're doing, and kind of, uh, yeah, what, where, you, where you're recording from today. Well, I'm recording from my, my small home office um, in Utah, in Salt Lake City. Cool. So tell us, you know, just a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're an amazing photographer and you do a lot for women's outdoor and helping women get, you know, the publicity and the shots and everything. But to, you know, how would you describe what you do and who you are? Well, I think I just basically describe myself as an outdoor sports photographer. Um, it really started with ski photography, but um, now that I've been working at Backcountry for so long, it's really branched out into almost everything outdoors. Um, I've been at it for, I don't know, a minute, a good grip of time at this point. Um, So I've had some time to experiment. I moved out to Utah in January 2004. 
And I just wanted to be a ski photographer at the time. And then later that fall, I ended up getting a job with bagentry.com. And so I've done sort of a, like, that was my ski bum job, (laughs) but I'm still there. (laughs) Let's see. So yeah, I've sort of simultaneously pursued both my, my own personal um, sort of freelance, mostly ski photography and some bike uh, photography, and then just working full-time at Backcountry, <laughs> working full-time on the side. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's where I'm at and how I describe myself. What What are you doing specifically at Backcountry for the listeners who don't know? Um, so specifically, I work on our creative team. Um, I've had it, you know, my title sort of changes every few years, but um, currently the title is Senior Photographer and Photo Manager. And so I basically specialize in our marketing photography, mostly when it relates to outdoor and action sports. I used to shoot a lot more studio stuff, but our team grew a little bit and we brought on another photographer who um, has taken over more of the studio specialty. So it's mostly outdoor, which is awesome. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Absolutely. And so what does that what does that look like for you? Do you plan the locations or does backcountry pick the locations or the brands? How does that work? Well, so that's interesting. It's it's really just kind of changes year to year. We have, you know, sort of different company goals and direction and leadership and so it really, really varies. I used to there were times when I've been, you know, full like I'm the producer and the assistant and the photographer and the coordinator and the PA and then we've had other times where we've had more robust teams where we've had um, where I've been a little less involved in some of the the planning and locations and and I've had so many shoots going on where it's like, okay, just tell me when to show up and I'll be there and <laughs> give me a brief and we'll shoot it. Um, so it really is, has just kind of changed and varied over the years. Um, I mean, in some ways it's been kind of exciting to get, you know, good experience in all all realms and aspects. What's what's the coolest place you've gotten to go for backcountry on a photo shoot? Um, for me, it's a toss up. There, we did a big production down in um, Chile a couple summers ago, and then I also covered a um, a vendor event uh, up in northern Sweden. And I think I'm sort of biased towards northern Sweden because I'm half Swedish, and that was just like really on a personal level a little extra cool, you know going to the motherland. Um, and, you know, being up in the Arctic was, I don't know, I think that's just a pretty special place. And then down in Chile, we were down in the Araucaria region, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the monkey puzzle trees, but they're, they're pretty amazing. Um, so you're down in like land of volcanoes and these crazy trees that look like a mix of old growth rainforest and um, like desert succulent, but they're giant and it's really cool. It sounds incredible. I highly recommend if you can make it down there, check it out. Yeah. Do you, uh, so are you shooting athletes in those situations or, or like ambassadors or what, like what kind of, is it action or lifestyle? It's pretty much everything. Um, so specifically for Chile, that was one of our big winter productions. We took down in this case, four employees to do the shoot. Um, one that's had some experience shooting, uh, shooting action sports before, but the others were just employees that rip. And so we 
we kind of wanted to go that direction for that shoot. Um, but there's other shoots where we do bring in more professional athletes. Um, there, there've been times when we bring in models. That's, that's a little more rare. And then we've brought in ambassadors and, um, you know, for lifestyle needs, we'll do again, just depending on the project. Sometimes it's ambassadors, sometimes it's models, sometimes it's employees. Um, when we're talking about backcountry anyway. Yeah. How about, yeah, let's talk about you, Ree Wickstrom photography. What do you got going on there? And what's, what's your favorite thing to shoot? Where do you focus? Um, yeah. So my, my focus is ski photography, mostly some mountain bike photography and in addition to that, I almost exclusively focus on women and just female athletes and giving them more support in the media and trying to kind of foster. I mean, I think it's been really, really cool to see like what happens if you get a crew of all women together. Because when I was younger and looking at ski media, especially, I mean, and bike media, you look at, oh, like these guys have their crews, but it's all dudes or, you know, maybe there's one woman in the mix. But I sort of came into this with a bit of a personal hypothesis of like, hey, what happens if, what if that crew was all women? And can we inspire younger generations to like come up and create some all female crews? You know, does this happen? How long does this take? Is it feasible? Are there enough women out there? <laughs> and how have you seen that change throughout the years? Uh, I mean, I'm certainly seeing a much, I see so many more women, um, I feel like getting involved in outdoor sports in general. I see so many more women just out on the skin track, out on the trails. Um, but then I think there's also been, especially with the rise of social media, because that's only been happening, I'd say, for like half of my career, really. Um, it's been really cool to see women step in and say, hey, well, maybe the traditional model wasn't supporting women, so I can do this myself and I'll put it out there. You know, maybe the companies aren't going to back us, but I can back me. Yeah. I think if they're, as ski history has evolved, I think that you hold a really important place in ski history in America, from the media side especially, because you did help elevate women at a time when no one else was doing that. And you went after that. Did you, uh, did you know that was going to be such an important role or did, was that just something that you wanted to do because you thought it would be fun or were you trying to solve a problem at the time? Uh, yeah, for me, it was definitely uh, like a problem solving situation. Like I saw a hole, I saw something I didn't like. Um, and rather than complain about it, I just wanted to do something to help change it. That's just so true to what happened. And, <laughs> uh, I think it's just amazing. So now let's kick it over to some commercials. Do you feel like you have nothing in common with traditional ad agencies? Do you count time in powder days and desert trips? Do you own or work for a company that's heavily involved in the outdoor industry? And mostly, do you like measurable results that you can understand delivered by people who understand you? Hey, congratulations, you just found your brand's favorite adventure partner. That's right, I'm talking about those nerds over at wheeliecreative.com. Wheelie Creative, it's a creative agency for people who thrive outside. If you want results, awesome content, and human beings that are fun to work with, wheeliecreative.com. Check them out. But wait, you may be thinking, Lisa, isn't this your company? Yes, 
I have to pay my employees to edit this podcast right now. And so that means that you get to listen to a commercial about it. WheelieCreative.com. Marketing made fun. I think you're, that's a really valid point about Instagram and social media coming in and giving people an open platform to kind of change the way of the game. How has, uh, how has social media changed your process as a photographer or has it? Well, I think <laughs> to date myself again, um, it's been interesting to me because I didn't, I didn't like grow up and start with social media. And I, you know, I came from a background where the, the magazines held all the power as far as the trends and, and like just telling people like, this is what's going on. These are the people that are doing rad things. And these are the greatest photos. And these are the people you should be paying attention to. Um, And so I think it's an interesting shift. And I don't think we're done with the shift. I think we're kind of in a weird transition right now. Um, And I I don't know what's going to happen. But I think it'll be interesting to see. I think there's certainly opportunity for, for more I don't know, models to sort of spring up from this. Uh-huh. Um, it's certainly been interesting in the way of, you know, athletes are, are getting pressure from their sponsors to provide them photos for social media, but nothing gets written into a contract that says like, okay, well, we're going to like pay for, for a photographer to work with you to get the photos. And then, you know, maybe you get into this weird place where an athlete's like, well, I have to give photos to my sponsor. And so I need you to give them to me for free, but then for the, for the working photographer that's trying to, you know, simultaneously have a career, but also promote athletes, you get into a bit of a weird place. Um, I think, you know, industry-wise for photographers to social media is this like just hungry machine that needs photo after photo after photo. But because of the nature of a social and web platforms, People believe that photos should be cheap or free. And then there's there's photographers that are maybe newer and they're like, oh, well, I'll give away my photos because I want to get my name out there. But, you know, ultimately it hurts the entire industry because the more photographers give away photos for free, the less photographers can make money. And so, you know, some photographers are then maybe driven away from continuing to, you know, do their craft maybe, or they just keep it to themselves. Um, it's an interesting ecosystem, right? And, and a lot of people don't think about the full ecosystem when they think about, hey, can I just use this photo for free, right? At the same time, though, I also want to support the athletes. From, and it's like, well, my mission is just to put more inspiring imagery of women out there into the world. And so there is, there does need to be a balance. And you're working with athletes. You're not, you're all working on spec. You do also have to have some give and take there and you do need to support them. And I think we're still kind of working through the implications of like, do you post the photo now or do you save it and post it later? And like, what is the impact? Is it better to post it now? But if you're trying to make money so you can afford your gear and so you can afford to be out there working with athletes, um, we need to work on the, (laughs) the career model, I guess. Yes, I definitely think that that part of the industry is broken right now. <laughs> and you know, it puts so much 
pressure on athletes. It makes athletes feel awkward because they have to ask for free things from photographers or they have to go out and try to learn camera skills when, you know, and or get their buddies to do it. And so it's like this very stressful um, aspect now that comes with being a pro athlete that didn't used to even be a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's interesting. Um, and pretty unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in some cases, you know, it's sort of just taking the photographer out of the equation entirely. So then where does, where does that role go? Does it exist anywhere? Um, and then just social media. I mean, I think there's so much pressure just in terms of how you portray yourself on social media for a lot of companies. And, you know, I think we're still wrestling with, is this fake? Is this real? Does it feel authentic? And is it right for me? Is it not right for me? And I think still so much remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. And, you know, from the agency side, too, from where we're coming from at Wheelie, it's it's a very interesting dynamic where brands will hire us kind of as a blanket, like just take care of everything for our catalog. Just do the photos, do the design, here's the product. And sometimes they'll have us go find people that are on brand and then suddenly most of my days are spent acting as a casting agency Mm -hmm. it's just this very interesting thing where I never thought I'd be like sourcing models and you know trying to figure out who looks best in a scene together and like curating human beings so I think it's uh it's a really interesting dynamic and kind of fun to navigate um and yeah I just don't know where it's gonna go yeah, it's an interesting one because you want to be, for the most part, right? You think of social media as telling stories. People want to tell authentic stories. But then when it is just marketing, you want to craft it a lot more specifically. But maybe we should be more open to using people that don't portray that, you know, that look that we're used to, like the stereotypical look, you know? And maybe if we could get the industry as a whole to kind of open their eyes to using real people I feel like it would benefit everybody (laughs) Um, and then you know athletes too I think have had a really interesting time with the rise of the social media ambassador where that tends to be more of just someone who's got a lot of followers I mean and don't get me wrong I think some athletes have I don't know navigated that and they're like they do have a bazillion followers some of them they they're just not as into the self-promotion and that's where in the past it's been great to have a sponsor that is doing the promotion of their athletes. Um, But then we've gotten into this world of, well, we don't want to do athletes anymore. We want to do real people that just use social media, but eventually those people need to like, it goes in a cycle, right? Cause eventually those people are going to say, well, Hey, you're not paying me anything. Or you're not paying me very much to be an ambassador. And I need to really just focus on my actual, you know, job. Cause a lot of those people have been, you know, they've got a full-time job and then they do sport on the side. Right. Um, and it's been cool to tell their stories, but you can only use that for so long. Um, and I think hopefully what I'm, I don't know, my theory really is that like, the athlete's going to come back into favor, but it's going through this interesting cycle right now um, because they have so much more valuable insight when they can be like out testing your gear, 
involved in R&D and then being like your, they can focus on being an ambassador for your brand and for the sport. And if they're out there inspiring, you know, the younger generations, that's going to help growth, right? But when they're not, how and you're not inspiring those younger generations, then we just see things shrink, right? Yeah, that's that's key for sure. Is uh, making sure that the decline of skiing and and you know the less interest in snowboarding and um, you know how to how to make it look fun because ski, nothing is more fun than skiing <laughs> and just you know keeping that joy alive. I think is incredibly important. I know you're so right. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you, uh, how do you work, you know, what, as far as creativity goes, do you tend to, um, contact an athlete and go out and shoot something mindfully, or do you just kind of go out and see what an athlete is inspired by? What's, what's your process for when you're not shooting for backcountry, but when you're shooting for yourself, um, what does that look like for you? Um, I mean, for me, first and foremost, it's finding some women athletes that are just really stoked to get out and shoot some photos and make some magic. Um, and then we'll kind of take it from there. You know, I've had, I've worked with some, some women in the past where, you know, maybe one day it's like, Hey, I want to go hit this air and I'd love for you to come shoot it. And so we do go out with a little something kind of premeditated other times, you know, because you're dealing with mother nature and the weather, a lot of times you're just letting that dictate um, what you can do on a given day. Um, I think certainly, you know, I probably have, I go through sort of phases of like, oh, I'm going to kind of think along these lines this year, you know, or I want to kind of think more this type of shot this year, or, um, you know, the past few years, I've been trying to shoot a bit more inbounds as well as you know, backcountry touring, because I think, you know, we've seen so many accidents in the backcountry. And I was like, well, I wonder, why can't it look fun to ski inbounds with a bazillion tracks around you, right? Because you've got the the classic, obviously, it's beautiful when it's fully fresh and, and untouched. And there's a reason that those photos are so sought after. Um, but I just wanted to challenge myself to figure out, well, how do we make inbound skiing when the resort is open look fun and um so yeah just sometimes I'll give myself sort of self-imposed projects like that other times it's like hey it just dumped three feet and we just want to go shoot blower pal (laughs) uh I think that's a very interesting point to bring up that oh yeah why should why shouldn't we embrace the resort rider because that is what helps get people into skiing you don't just go immediately into the backcountry and mm-hmm. yeah and so that's I'd say that's kind of more what I'm doing locally around here and then you know if it's if I'm on a trip with someone not in Utah um, then it becomes more about the story of the place and the day and the location and trying to capture you know what does it mean to ski in this place um, at least that's how I tend to look at things that's yeah that's wonderful um that's i never really thought about that that's a good point do you think most magazines are publishing very little inbounds content um yes (laughs) i would say so um 
I would, I don't know. I should probably do an audit, but I, I would say the majority of photos end up being shot outside the resort boundaries. Even when you're, you know, doing a story on a resort, a lot of times you'll end up, you know, hiking out of bounds to shoot photos. Uh, I mean, not always, but a lot of the times, because that's where you're going to find less people interfering and less tracks, better snow. Like, I don't argue those facts. (laughs) There's a reason we do it. I do it, you know. (laughs) But for some of my shooting, I just wanted to sort of challenge myself to the inbounds. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, Post-production on that end, do you like editing photos or dislike editing photos? Um, Generally, I really enjoy it. Um, But I do find that I need... I need a good balance of screen time to not screen time. And so I do sometimes struggle a bit with having full-time job with back and tree and then kind of balancing the time to edit my personal work. Uh, because like there's, you know, I'll spend, you know, weeks of eight hour days um, working on the computer. And then it's kind of the last thing I want to do when I get home. Absolutely. Um but overall, I do love it. It's just a matter of having the right like time and balance to work on it. And sometimes it's fun when I can't get to photos right away because it's it's kind of like going back to you know a shooting film process where you'd send your rolls off and you wouldn't get them back for you know a few days or maybe it takes you a week to because you're like collecting a few rolls and yeah. that to me was always like Christmas getting your photos back because you're like oh I hope they worked out. <laughs> And, you know, maybe you forgot about one or two photos that were in there and you're like, oh, surprise. Totally. (laughs) So I don't know. In some ways it can be good. (laughs) Yeah. Try to look at the bright side. Absolutely. (laughs) And now time for another commercial break. Are you a woman with a camera who wants to up her photography skills in the outdoor industry? Sign up for a workshop at wheelhouseworkshops.com. These are creative action sports workshops designed for women by women with the intent of helping elevate women in the creative outdoor action sports space. What that means is one day of on snow shooting professional female athletes and learning from the best lady photographers in the business, followed by a day of post-production and an art show showing your best work. It's super fun, it's awesome. The next one is going to be in Jackson Hole. Stay tuned, you can sign up for more information and to get notified about the next event at wheelhouseworkshops.com. So a lot of women listen to this podcast um, because we do feature so many women. So what is your advice to any ladies that want to get into the creative side of the outdoor industry? Uh, my biggest advice is to know your craft and be passionate about it. It sounds really simple, right? But um, I think when when you're really excited about what you do, that that translates to anybody. And they're not going to look at you as like male or female. They're just going to look at you as a person who is just really, really, really excited and stoked on the work that you do. And when you're that excited about it, you're going to put the effort into it. Um, and if you've put the effort into learning it the best that you can, I mean, obviously, right. People want to work with talented people, right. You don't want to hire someone who's like just bought their first camera, you know? So learn your craft, be, be as expert as possible. 
and just make sure you're really excited about it. And I think that translates better than anything. Absolutely. Uh, What's your definition of showing up as a pro? What does it mean to be a pro to you? Oh, you asked this one in our panel, didn't you? Yeah, I am obsessed with this because everyone has such different styles and I work with so many photographers and I'm just like, huh, everyone is different. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I think showing up as a pro is, is, I mean, especially if you're doing a paid photo shoot, but even if you're not, even if you're just asking an athlete to go out and work with you, I mean, I don't know, be professional about it, right? Like show up with all your gear, show up with a plan and be dedicated to your plan and, and don't, you know, slack off all day unless, unless, you know, maybe, (laughs) oh, there's always a caveat. I mean, sometimes you got to read your crew and if you're not on a commercial shoot, right. If you, if it's a day where you're out working with some athletes that you're just building a working relationship with, maybe it is a day to kind of have more fun. Right. But I think you can still be professional and have fun. Um, Gosh, I feel like I should have pre-planned this one. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're right. You're like, what does it mean to show up as a pro? And I'm like, well, it means to be professional. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Reed. That's super helpful. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think <laughs> uh I'm gonna have to work maybe we can come back to that. I gotta work on some better some better verbiage here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's really interesting, you know, like um if as an agency we have a special project where it just makes more sense to hire a photographer than send someone in house. Um, we, we hire a lot of photographers and they all bring their own personality as well as their own process into our creative process. And, and so it's interesting, you know, trying to, there's no way to like just blanket integrate a photographer because everyone is so different. Mm-hmm. Every scene is different and athletes or ambassadors are all different. So it's really something I find interesting is like, what is a commonality between like when it, when it, it really becomes a professional situation. And I think communication is a really big one. Mm, yes, absolutely. Sure. And I think like when photographers show up and they aren't physically fit enough and like the athletes have to carry their gear or things like I, I'm not into that, mm-hmm. you know? So I think there's, it's, it's, it's tough in outdoor because you have to have this physical aspect to your job as well as creative. And, um, it's, it can be a lot. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is, I mean, you've got a, you've got an interesting perspective on it coming from a place of hiring many different photographers. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, something that just popped into my head too is to just take what you're doing seriously. But I think whether it's a commercial shoot or working on spec, that's something that I do naturally is take it seriously. And when you're especially working in an outdoor environment, especially in the backcountry, especially if you've got athletes that are pushing their limits, you've got to take that seriously because right, mentioning communication and missing communication can be a dangerous situation. Oh yeah. Um, and obviously it's not what you want. <laughs> it's not what anybody wants. It's not good for anybody getting paid or not getting paid. Uh, but communication certainly huge. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always tell my crew, like I want 
um, just a good positive mental zone as well. Um, like even if a shoot is like going, if it's tanking, right? Like, do, like you, the last thing you want to do is let on that you think it's tanking because it will tank so much faster and it's like so much harder to recover from, right? So if something's going wrong, you still need to keep it all super positive and work through it. <laughs> that is one of my biggest, biggest tenets. Of, it's like rule number one, positive mental vibe zone. Yes. You were there. We went over that. Rule number one, along with rule number one, always zip your backpack. And <laughs> I break rule number one all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one that uh, you'll learn. You'll learn from it. Always. And then mountain biking, I've transitioned to using a fanny pack. And now I'm always leaving my fanny pack unzipped. Oh, oh my. <laughs> that seems... It's real dangerous living on the edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm lucky I still have a cell phone. <laughs> Backup camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. Well, yeah, I think I'm curious. I imagine you'll always work in the creative industry because um, you probably just can't help it. That's just the way you are. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we touched on um, the definition of what it means to be an artist back in, in the winter. Um, and I came across this definition in the last year where someone was defining being an artist as, well, you're an artist if you can't not do something, right? And I feel like I can't not shoot photos of women doing awesome things. And previously, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm a photographer. I didn't think of myself as much as an artist. And so it was really, and it was this really awesome revelation for me. Again, like, seems so simple, but it was really awesome to kind of have that revelation of like, oh, maybe I am an artist. Maybe that's okay. Maybe I can call myself an artist. You know, I don't have a gallery. I'm not like selling fine art prints, at least not right now, but maybe I should because to me, this is my craft and this is something that I can't live without doing. I don't know. And feel like I'm living my best life, I guess. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever feel like there's um, like a potential for burnout because you have done such a great job fus fusing your passion with your profession? Do you ever get burnt out or is it just something that stokes itself and is, is just the way that you are and always will be? Um. Yeah, I can't say that I've hit like a real burnout, um, especially when it comes to shooting with with women. Like every time I'm out there with my camera shooting women, doing rad things, just being awesome, you know, just being rad examples of humans. Uh, I'm stoked. I've never, ever felt burnt out about that. Um, I will say that I have had some experience just having too much work lined up back to back um, where I have gotten burnt out. And it's not like, it's not burnout where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just like, oh, I need some life balance. I need some sleep. I need to let my body rest, which is something too that I think probably comes with, well, not probably, it definitely comes with age. You recognize more that you need a little more rest and recovery time when you're out doing such physical work. I mean, I think everybody does, whether you're at a desk job or whether you're 
doing physical work, but especially physical work, you need to let your body rest. Um, so it's not really like work burnout, but you do need real good recovery balance time. And definitely learned that the hard way. <laughs> do you find yourself caring more about like nutrition and good food than you used to? Yes, definitely. Although I think I always cared. I just wasn't educated as much about it. So I've definitely been taking more strides to educate myself about it in the last maybe four years or so. Um, and some of it too, I think is, is just, we as a society didn't realize how bad we were treating our bodies based on our, like what the, you know, what you'd refer to as the American industrialized diet, right. Full of processed foods, full of sugar. And, you know, we didn't fully understand the, the detriment of that diet. So we've got a lot more um, just studies coming out now so that we, we can be more informed and understand more. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Hot Pockets are bad for you. <laughs> yeah, we're like, there is sugar hiding in everything. And eating fat does not make you fat. But eating too much sugar will will make you fat, right? Like, <laughs> And we need more protein to operate, especially, you know, as an athlete or with an active job um, and especially women need more protein than most of them realize. Yes. Um, that's been a big thing. Trying to up the protein intake. <laughs> Do you want to know something hilarious? I, I have a twin sister and for years I'm a vegetarian and I talk about protein a lot apparently. Mm -hmm. And she's had a drinking game going with her boyfriend for like years because every time I say protein, like because <laughs> Apparently, I talk about it way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Just found out. It's been going on for years. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> They've been making fun of me this whole time. <laughs> well, ho hopefully they're they're learning in the process. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. You can find you on Instagram at Ree Wickstrom. Um, I'll put links in the show notes and your website, which is ReeWickstrom.com. ReeWickstrom.com. Easy. That's right. I've, <laughs> I got in early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to even do this podcast. It's amazing. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to Outside by Design. I told you Ree was a heavy hitter and she she just is. Man, I have so much respect for Ree. Um, tune in next week, next Thursday, when a really fun episode comes out. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's heavy because I'm speaking with my friend and partnership manager for Canberra Outdoors. Her name is Sally Hofer. And Sally, Sally doesn't bullshit. Sally is a very intellectual person and a deep thinker. And that comes across in the podcast. Here's a sneak peek. Please tune in next week. It's a really good one. God, I, so I won't name anyone in particular, but I, 
I look at some people's feeds who I love, but I'm just like, come on, it's, there's five men on there and one woman. And they're all white. And guess what? You're missing a half of the country, more than half of the country, when, when you're only marketing it to this group of people. And if people can't see themselves in your ad, they're not going to be compelled to buy the product or to look into the product more or to like your feed or to start following your feed. So, so to brand managers and marketing people out there, um, it's the right thing to do to show a diverse group of people um, in your in your branding. But more than that, it's really good business. 